Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of And Finally with me, Sam Vader, where this week we are going to be discussing the Vietnam War, primarily from the point America got involved majorly, so what I'd call the start of the Vietnam War proper to its end, from roughly 1964 to about 1975, so that's about, what, 11 years of conflict between the Americans and the Viet Cong, uh, which, spoilers, I suppose, the end of the podcast, the Americans lost. I know they might think they won or retreated, but, um, yeah, no, they got their asses handed to them. But before we get into the details of that, um, we once again at Sigil Arts would like to mention that we do stand with the Black Lives Matter campaign, and we always will, and, uh, we stand by its supporters and anyone affected by any form of racism around the world. And without further ado, let's get into the events of the Vietnam War. So we start in the August of 1964, where the USSS Maddox, USSS Maddox is allegedly attacked by a North Vietnamese patrol torpedo boat in the Gulf of Tolkien. Uh, and this led President Johnson to call for airstrikes on the uh, North Vietnamese patrol boat bases. And uh, this is obviously a classic American response, isn't it? Ooh, something's happened. Let's bomb it. Um, yeah, so two US aircraft and then shot down and one US pilot, Everett Alaveras Jr. becomes the first US airman to be taken prisoner by North Vietnam. So then later on in the same August of 1964, uh, the attacks at the Gulf of Tolkien and the two aircraft that were shot down, um, I will clear up that these were probably shot down because North Vietnam was incredibly communist and uh, I don't know how much you know about America, but they're incredibly not communist. They're like the, the, yeah, they didn't like the commies, didn't like the USSR. So this is sort of what sparked all of this. Um, in the first place, there's big tensions around this point between Russia and America, uh, just wanting to nuke the fuck out of each other, pretty much. Um, yeah, so by the August of 1964 as well, with the attacks and the provoked actions of North Vietnam, the American Congress passed the Gulf of Tolkien Resolution, which authorises the President to, and I quote, take all necessary measures including the use of armed force end quote uh, which basically means he can invade and shoot and kill whoever he wants to to prove that America are the best um, and as as we will see that uh, backfires majorly um, yeah so by that point the Soviets increase their support to North Vietnam I presume they were realising by this point that America were going to strike back, they weren't going to sit down and take these attacks lightly. So they, the USSR sent aircraft, artillery, ammunition, small arms, radar, air defence systems, food and medical supplies. Meanwhile China was sending several engineering troops to North Vietnam to assist in building critical defence infrastructure and this was in the November of that year so the USSR knows what's coming uh, the communists know what's coming and they're preparing for uh, they're preparing for an attack so by February 1965 President Johnson orders the bombings of targets in North Vietnam 
in what is known as Operation Flaming Dart. I love these names. They, they give them such brilliant names like Rolling Thunder. In retaliation for a Viet Cong raid at the US base in the city of Pliku and a nearby helicopter base at Camp Holloway. Uh, so, once again, he's just, yeah, just going for the straight vomit. Just do it. Because, and this is where I think America got this wrong. They were just, they gave authorization just to bomb and everything. And, I mean, they had no right to be there. Viet Cong, okay, they did shoot down their things, but they were violating their airspace. I'm not sure America was entirely in the right there. Anyway, so by the March of 1965, President Johnson launches a three-year campaign of sustained bombing um, in North Vietnam and the, uh, there we go, Hao Chi Minh Trail in Operation Rolling Thunder, which I mentioned two minutes ago. That's one of the most famous military missions, or at least the name is Rolling Thunder. The same month, US Marines landed on beaches near Dathan... Danag, South Vietnam, as the first American combat troops to enter Vietnam. So America's not just satisfied with a three-year bombing campaign. They decide, yeah, let's get our men in there and give them some good old-fashioned shootouts. Yeah. This was a... not the most legitimate war in the world. And then also, carrying on by June 1965, General... Nguyen Van Thiru of the Army of the Republic of Vietnam, Governmental Military, it's a very long title, becomes the President of South Vietnam. South Vietnam being the country that isn't a communist at the time, and America claim they are there to help out the South Vietnamese due to the Truman Doctrine, which sort of gives them a right to. Sorry, hay fever again. Um, gives them a right to help any country in need at the time, especially to fight communism. So that was their excuse for being there, it was to protect South Vietnam. But as most of us know, it was more than that. They were there to wipe out communism. Anyway, so by July 1965, President Johnson calls for 50,000 more ground troops to be sent to Vietnam, increasing the draft to 35 5,000 each month, uh, which, yeah, is ridiculous, frankly. Um, do you need that many against what is essentially a, well, nowhere near advanced as you, but then again, they lost anyway. It, it, the fact that America lost this war was incredible, really, considering technologically far more advanced, but the thing is, they weren't clever. And the Viet Cong were, and that's that was their downfall in the end, unfortunately. But anyway, August 1965, Operation Starline, a uh, Starlight, sorry, uh, some 5,500 US Marines strike against the first Viet Cong regiment in the first major ground offensive by the US forces in Vietnam. The six-day operation defuses the Viet Cong regiment, although it would quickly rebuild. So basically, they sent in oh, 5,500 US Marines to attack basically the first defense of the Viet Cong, 
and uh, they won. They won that battle. In, in an all-out offensive, the US have the best chance. They were, you know, having a regular battle. This wasn't in the jungles just yet. And they did completely dissolve the uh, Viet Cong opposition. But, as I said, they do rebuild and they come back stronger. And they lure America into a trap where they uh, get their asses royally handed to them. So, by November 1965, Norman Morrison, a 31-year-old pacifist Quaker from Baltimore, sets himself on fire in front of the Pentagon to protest the Vietnam War. Jesus Christ. And then onlookers encourage him to release his 11-month-year-old... Year-old? 11-month-year-old? Release his 11-month-old baby daughter who he is holding before he is engulfed in flames. Um, yeah. I reacted to this. See, I've written this all down and I still just reacted to that. It's because I wrote this down last night and then I'm doing this again. I forgot about that fact. Um, that he had his, his baby daughter in his arms while, while he was on fire. Um, that... And that's a big statement, and I think this is a big thing that we will see through America, and you will see through America when you look at this sort of history yourself, if you find it interesting. The protests were massive. The American public didn't want to be in Vietnam. Um, one, due to the fact that they had no right to really be there. It wasn't their business. Two because of the atrocities committed by the US Army during the Vietnam War. And so people protested in very, very extreme ways, and this is just one of them, setting himself on fire, but still holding... I think it's interesting that the onlookers didn't care about him, but were, were adamant to save the baby, and I get that you'd want to save a baby in that situation, but they weren't really too concerned about him, which is uh, very interesting. But yeah, that's very extreme but i think it just goes to show how strongly the american public in general were opposed to the vietnam war even wasn't it was it john lennon i can i'd never forget which one of the beat remember which one of the beatles it was he was very opposed to it you know make love not war and all that stuff anyway on from that horrible tragic death also in the november of 1965 nearly 300 americans are killed and hundreds more injured in the first large-scale battle of the war, the Battle of La Drang Valley. At the battle, South Vietnam, Central Highlands, which is where it was, uh, US ground troops are dropped onto and withdrawn from the battlefield by helicopter in what would become a common strategy. Um, but classic to, to many history uh, things, both sides declare that battle of victory. Um, which... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how they've worked that out um, entirely, really at all. It was pretty much a standstill, so I suppose if, if it's a draw, it was a victory. Both sides ended up retreating, pretty much. But yeah, that was yeah the start of what would become a lot of bloodshed in the Vietnam War. So, by 1966... US troops in Vietnam have now raised, been, been raised, sorry, to 400,000. So America are really bringing in the big guns now. They're like, nope, we're better than you. We're going to win. We're going to bring in all the soldiers we've got. It was really just, I think, a way of trying to flex. And, and yeah, it didn't work. So by the June of 1966, 
American aircraft attack targets in Hanoi and Happy Hong. In I'm sorry if I said that wrong. In raids that are among the first such attacks on cities in North Vietnam, the, these bombings were terrible. The Hanoi bombings were, I believe Hanoi is the capital as well. Now I think about it, it sounds familiar. Um, from a Top Gear special, I will be honest, but it does still sound familiar. Um, the bombings were were horrible, and especially if they ever used, which I'm sure we'll get onto eventually. I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have mentioned this in my notes. This is the problem with doing this the day after writing them. Um, napalm, which was a horrible, horrible thing, but I'm no doubt we'll get to that eventually. Um, yeah, so these bombings sort of went on for most of the war now, especially through the 60s, and by 1967 US troops had increased from 400,000 to 500,000 in a year they'd got another 100,000 people moved over to uh, Vietnam, North Vietnam, South Vietnam to uh, push the war effort and you'd think after World War 2 the, the world would be tired of this, but uh, no, just keep going, and you'll notice most major conflicts that have happened since World War Two. Just figure out what nations involved in most of them. You know, the Middle East, Vietnam, Cold War. There's a common denominator there. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I'll let you work that out for yourself. Who is the, uh, yeah. So, by February 1967, US aircraft bomb Hepping, Happy Hong. I'm really sorry about the pronunciation. I don't know how to say that. Harbour and North Vietnamese airfields. So they're just, once again, they, they're going for the classic American approach of let's just bomb it all and what's the worst that can happen. Not really thinking it through massively. Um, and in the April of six, 1967, uh, there were massive Vietnam protests actually taking place outside Washington. So obviously we had the man who set himself on fire before. But now there are even bigger ones of people are chaining themselves to things. There are big protests outside Washington, D.C. and outside the White House calling for an end to the Vietnam War. Because it was just a tragedy. They were just doing essentially what is going on in the Middle East today. They're bombing the hell out of it and do it and the troops are carrying out horrific things. And if they haven't learned from history, oh, they think they won the war. So, of course, they're carrying on, I suppose. But, yeah... I, this is, I think, one of the main reasons for the podcast. I hope people learn from history. You know, it didn't work in Vietnam. Can we get out of the Middle East as well? It, it'd be nice. But, I mean, the only reason we're there, I say we're, the Americans have dragged us in there, is for oil anyway. Yay! Because there's no better reason to fight and kill people than dinosaur remains. Yes, basically, it's just gooey dinosaurs. And that's why we're fighting... I mean, they didn't even have a reason here. I don't know what they were doing in Vietnam. But anyway, back to the actual facts of the conflict. By September 1967, Nguyen Van Thieu wins the presidential election of South Vietnam under a newly enacted constitution. So there are still politics going on in, in South Vietnam. While the Americans are trying to sort out North Vietnam for them, it was a whole mess, just really was. And by November 1967, the Battle of Dak Two, US and South Vietnamese forces resist an offensive by communist forces in the Central Highlands. 
the United States suffer roughly 1,800 casualties in that battle. So it's starting to get severe and they are starting to lose ground. And most, most importantly, they're starting to lose men. This is not going for the Americans as easily as they thought it would. And that is clear that something is not right for them here. So, in, well, January to April 1968, a US Marine garrison at Kesna in South Vietnam is bombarded with massive artillery by communist forces from the People's Army of North Vietnam for 77 days. The Marines and South Vietnamese forces fend off the siege. So they do survive and they do keep the North Vietnamese Army out, uh, People's Army out. But that's a 77-day siege of artillery just coming down on them. And you do have to think, like... Well, it's impressive they survived that, but it's still just... Yeah. You've got to think this through times. So, the January of 1968, though, the Tet Offensive begins, encompassing a combined assault of Viet Minh and North Vietnamese Army. Attacks are carried out in more than 100 cities and outposts across South Vietnam, including ha- Hue and Saigon, and the US Embassy is invaded. The effective bloody attacks shook the US, US officials and marked a turning point in the war and the beginning of the US withdrawal from the region. So by 68, the Viet Cong, North Vietnamese, have really struck a blow to the Americans. The Americans have realised, oh shit, maybe... maybe we- we can't do this, maybe they're good. And the fact that they managed to basically decimate a hundred cities, including the US Embassy, made the Americans start to think, yeah, maybe maybe we should back out of this, maybe we shouldn't have got involved in something that wasn't our business in the first place. So the February of 1968, this uh, which was the 11th to the 17th of February that year, and that was the record for the highest number of US soldier deaths during the war, with 543 American soldiers dead in one week. And this is what I mean, the Americans are starting to lose ground now, the Viet Cong and their guerrilla warfare are really, really pushing them back, and they're really starting to lose here. And uh, I think this is around the point, especially with the protests back home as well, the point they started to realise that that this war wasn't going to go their way and they might need to back out of this one um so but the february to march of 1968 as well there were battles at hugh and saigon and these battles are starting to end with <coughs> oh sorry bless me with american victory as the Viet Cong guerrillas are cleared from the city <coughs> so they do eventually manage to stop these massive sieges of the Viet Cong and push them back eventually but it's at what cost really because then we get to March 16th 1968 which is probably one of the most horrific atrocities the US Army has ever carried out uh, without fail was the uh, My Lai Massacre where more than 500 civilians are murdered by US forces civilians and this is yeah, so, right, this one was horrible. I remember learning about this one in school, actually, when I did my coursework for history. Um, I did it on the Vietnam War. Um, that's why I know a bit more about this than I do 
a lot more modern history. Yeah, so the Marlai Massacre was awful. So yeah, 500 civilians, what they did... In most towns and villages the American forces went to, they knew there were going to be some Viet Cong members, spies, you know, and just espionage people trying to find out what the Americans were up to. But in this particular city, the uh, normally they'd just napalm the place, which, as I said, I'll explain, they'd um, drop a highly flammable substance all over, and uh, it'd catch fire, and you couldn't stop it, burn at ridiculous temperatures. But the problem is, they didn't care if they were just targeting the town, or if some of the people got covered in the napalm as well. So they would literally burn some people alive. But I don't think that's as bad as the Mylai Massacre. Because um, at least with napalm, it's technically undiscriminatory because they're not aiming for the people. Napalm was also used to try and remove the forests uh, because where the Viet Cong were using their brilliant guerrilla warfare and hiding under the ground. Uh, removing the forests was a great way to try and actually beat the Viet Cong. It just didn't work. But yes, the Milo Massacre. So what they basically did, and this is true, and this is another reason I think when because this was hidden from the American public for a long time and I think by the time they eventually found this out this was definitely their turning point saying no we're getting out of Vietnam now like our soldiers are meant to be heroes but they've done this so Marla Massacre yes they, they dug a big hole in the ground in the uh, in the village town and uh, what they decided to do was take all the villagers put them in the hole knowing that some of them are going to be the Viet Cong spies and this is women, children, men, all ages. And uh, yeah, they shot them all dead in this hole. Literally just stood at the top of the hole and in the ground and just fired until there was no one left alive in uh, in this uh, village. So yeah, well done. You got rid of the spire, but you killed probably 490-odd innocent people as well. Uh, so good job, America. That's... Uh, <laughs> And I think that's a big moment in history that Americans are definitely ashamed of. Um, to the point where I don't think they like to talk about it. I mean, they don't like to talk about the Vietnam War in general, I will be honest. Um, and when they do, it's, this weird, it's a weird, deluded thing where they, they think they won. And I think maybe with events like this, it was a way... Them saying they won is a way of justifying the horrors that were carried out, but... I think by ignoring it, you, you make it makes the situation worse. Um, but I don't know. That's just me. I'm I'm not American, and I can't really comment on how they feel about what happened um, in Vietnam. But carrying on, also in the March of 1968, President Johnson halts the bombing in Vietnam, um, just facing backlash because of. <laughs> everything that had happened in news of the Milo Massacre and everything else he decides to stop bombing them he's realised that maybe what he's doing is wrong and, and the Gulf of Tolkien um, thing I can't think of the word now that gave him permission to do it might have not been the best idea and he uh, it was at this point that he announces that he wasn't running for election and by the November of that year President Nixon Richard M. Nixon wins the election and the campaign promises to restore law and order and end to the draft, basically promising an end to the Vietnam War. Um, and in May 1969, at Abaya Mountain, about a mile from the border with Laos, 
US paratroopers attack entrenched North Vietnamese fighters in an attempt to cut off North Vietnamese infiltration from Laos. US troops eventually capture the site, temporarily mind you, and it would be nicknamed Hamburger Hill by journalists due to the brutal carnage of the 10-day battle. So that was another very brutal one where these paratroopers, not, I don't think, in any way close to the Mylai Massacre level of brutal, but I think it was just that much of an intense battle that there was a lot of carnage by the end of it. Um, but by September 1969, Ho Chi Minh dies of a heart attack in Hanoi, and yeah, so that brings another political change going around in Vietnam and by December 1969 the US government institutes the first draft lottery since World War II prompting every sorry every young male to uh, yeah join and uh, this means that any men who were seen as draft dodgers started to flee to Canada so it was at this point where America yeah even the people were realising that, yeah, this, this isn't a good war, we shouldn't be here. And frankly, it's not going our way, we're not going to fight. Which is good, because eventually they will start to uh, withdraw numbers from Vietnam, as seen with Nixon. So, looking from 1969 to 72 here, we obviously this is a big age gap, but this is when it started. The Nixon administration gradually started to reduce the number of US troops in South Vietnam, which was a brilliant turning point, and this placed more of a burden on the ground forces of South Vietnam as a part of the strategy known as Vietnamization. Vietnamization. So basically, this was, was saying that the US troops are going to withdraw and uh, the South Vietnam should be allowed to fight for themselves, which is fair, I suppose. Um, America shouldn't have been there in the first place. And, you know, it hasn't ended up badly, is it? Vietnam's fine now. So, yeah, um, US troops in Vietnam are reduced from a peak of 549,000 in 1969 to just 69,000 in 1972. That is a big withdrawal, and, yeah, it's for the best. Uh, let Vietnam get on with being Vietnam. But anyway, back in time a bit to February 1970. The US National Security Advisor begins secret peace negotiations with Hanoi and a few other of the members of the Vietnamese government in Paris, trying to bring an end to the bloody, awful conflict that had been taking place for, what, six years now? And, yeah, but, yeah, America isn't one to go down without a few bombings. So, actually, in 1969 to 1970, there were a series of secret bombings known as Operation Menu by the US. Um, and B-52 bombers target uh, were used to target suspected communist bases and camps and supply zones in Cambodia. And these bombings are kept under wraps by the government and the Nixon administration, since Cambodia is technically neutral. Although the uh, operation would be revealed uh, in the May of 1969 in the New York Times. So whilst he was withdrawing from Vietnam, Nixon was carrying out some other secret bombings in other places. Just, you know, why not? 
We're Americans after all, it's what we do. Well, I'm not, but... Anyway... By April to... Well, the April to June of 1970, the US and South Vietnamese forces attack more communist bases across the Cambodian border in the Cambodian incursion. So, yeah, they're, they're realising that Cambodia is neutral, but uh, not neutral enough. So, they are, yeah... Yeah, just, uh, they're realising the communists and Viet Cong are starting to use Cambodia as maybe a secret neutral passageway. So, uh, going after that as well. They're going for gold here. And, uh, they want to win. Um, but, the American public back home still don't like the idea of the Vietnam War. Good for them. And uh, there was an incident called the Kent State Shooting where there were protesters protesting the war and uh, the National Guard were actually called in. They didn't even call in the police. They called in the National Guard because, you know, students protesting. What are you going to do? Call in the sub-army. Good idea. Yeah, they were called in and, uh, yeah, they killed four students and wounded nine more. Um, in a really bloody instant, uh, another one in American history that I don't think they want to remember, because they were just protesting, man. Like they weren't doing, <laughs> they weren't doing anything wrong. They were expressing their rights, and uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't one of their finest moments. Calling in the National Guard to deal with a student's protest. I'm a student, and I'm imagining, you know, we want more things in university no national guard this it's a bit extreme um but this whole thing i think is a bit of an extreme reaction and by june 1970 congress finally repeals the gulf of tonkin i said tolkien earlier didn't i tonkin not the guy who wrote lord of the rings uh resolution to reassert control over the president's ability to use force in the war so basically the government have finally, after six years, realised, oh, maybe we shouldn't have given one man power to just send as many troops as he wants in there or not. Maybe we should take that back and actually start voting on things, you know, being a democracy and all. It's nice you realised eventually America. So in the January to March of 1971, Operation Lam Son uh, had ARVN troops with, which is the uh, South Vietnamese troops, along with the US support, invade Laos in an attempt to cut off the Ho Chi Minh Trail. They are forced to retreat and suffer heavy losses. Basically, the Viet Cong are just not better equipped, but they're smarter in jungle guerrilla warfare. They know these jungles. They Americans can't get their big tanks through it. They get caught out. They lose. It's, it's not a good situation to be an American soldier fighting the Viet Cong. I imagine it would have been terrifying anyway 1971 the New York Times publishes a series of articles detailing leaked Defense Department documents about the war known as the Pentagon Papers the report revealed the US government had repeatedly uh, and secretly increased US involvement in the war so basically this was the point where the U uh, US public as a whole found out more so about the Vietnam War because they weren't told how deeply they were involved yet. It was at this point they found out really what was going on in Vietnam. Things like uh, the My Lai Massacre and how many bombings and how many soldiers were in fact actually sent over there during the course of all this. Um, 
Yeah, so this is where America, like, the public didn't like the war anyway, and it was this point where they really started to protest everything going on in Vietnam at the time. So then you get to the march to the October of 1972, where the People's Army of Vietnam launches a large-scale, three-pronged Easter offensive against the Army of the Republic of Vietnam and the US forces. So, North Vietnam are basically going for a big juggernaut hit here. They're really going for the win at this point. When the US forces are already retreating out of there and the South Vietnamese are slowly being left to fend more so on their own, the Viet Cong are making sure they get rid of the US forces. Um, so, while North Vietnam gains control of more territory in South Vietnam, the offensive isn't the decisive blow its military leaders hoped for. So, whilst, yes, they do gain territory... It doesn't demoralise and cripple the enemy as much as they were hoping. But as we know, America are starting to retreat at this point anyway, due to lack of public support and just the fact that even the government are starting to realise maybe, just maybe, we were in the wrong this whole time. So by the December of 1972, President Nixon orders the launch for the most intense air offence of the war in Operation Linebacker. The attacks, which were concentrated between Hanoi and Happy Hong, drop roughly 20,000 tons of bombs over densely populated regions. That's 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 a lot of bombs. Uh, that's an awful lot of bombs. And the fact it says over densely populated regions, we don't know that they were all soldiers. They could have once again been innocents. So that is, uh, yeah, that's uh, well done. That's, yeah, I don't, the power was taken away from him, I don't know what came over him to just give him permission to do that again, but you know, whatever, um, but by January 27th actually, 1973, yeah, my mum was born actually, my dad was born in 72, yeah, I mentioned 72, it's weird, um, the... The US basically announces a stop to the draft service that they'd instituted and uh, the army from that point onward would be all volunteer. I think with the... they're not sending as many people over anymore. I think they realised that, oh no, hang on, we don't need this many people being forced into fighting because uh, we're withdrawing anyway. We don't need to force these young men to commit war crimes anymore. They finally realised that, which is really nice, because let's be fair, what the Americans did during Vietnam wasn't wasn't war, it was war crimes, they were war criminals, um, in a very horrible way, and I know I'm being blunt and harsh, and if anyone's listening from America, I'm sorry, I know this might be hard to hear, because it is a terrible moment in history, especially your history, but I think being blunt and harsh about it and saying, well, what were committed were war crimes is better because you need to admit those things i think the american government still pushing this whole incident under the rug isn't the right thing to do you need to not you know necessarily feel sorry for it it's not your fault but i think on some level america needs to remember this because it did happen uh, as horrible as it was you know we remember world war Two as well and no one wants to but this is what I mean, the past is the key to tomorrow, knowing this and knowing how horrible it was should hopefully help us not make the same mistakes again, which means hopefully we'll pull out of the Middle East soon um, and stop 
killing innocence there as well. It, it's just a hope and a dream. Um, but yeah, by by January 27th, uh, 1973 as well. So the same date that uh, they stop drafting people. President Nixon signs the Paris Peace Accords, ending direct US involvement in the Vietnam War and the North Vietnamese accept a ceasefire. But as the US troops begin to depart Vietnam, Vietnam, North Vietnamese military officials continue plotting to overtake South Vietnam. So the Americans have agreed to leave, they've agreed to drop arms, but the North Vietnamese haven't exactly given up on trying to take over South Vietnam yet. Um, but over the course of February to April in the 1973, North Vietnam returns 591 American prisoners of war, including the future US Senator and presidential candidate John McCain. Um, in what is known as Operation Homecoming. And that pretty much brings a mass end to the war at this point. Um, and the only events that tend to follow are not real US involvement. So by August 1974, Nixon resigns in the face of a likely impeachment after what happened during the war. And General Gerald R. Ford becomes president. In 1975, President Ford rules out any further US involvement in Vietnam. This was the official end to it. Ford says, no, we are not going back in. That's that. We're done in Vietnam. Um, but it did carry on. Uh, by April 1975, Saigon Falls, the capital of South Vietnam, Vietnam is seized by communist forces. And the government of South Vietnam surrenders. U.S. Marine and Air Force helicopters transport more than 1,000 American civilians and nearly 7,000 South Vietnamese refugees out of Saigon in an 18-hour mass evacuation effort. So whilst their involvement war-wise was over, they did go on a mercy mission to evacuate as many people as they could from Saigon before it fell to communist forces, which, that's fair, they're allowed to do that. Um, and yet... Yeah, by July 1975, North and South Vietnam are formally unified as the Socialist Republic of Vietnam under a hardline communist rule. And that was sort of the end to the Vietnam War. But I have a few more statistics for you. So by the end of the war, more than 58,000 Americans had lost their lives. However, that is nothing compared to what Vietnam would later release, estimating that 1.1 million North Vietnamese and Viet Cong fighters were killed, and up to 250,000 South Vietnamese soldiers died, and more than 2 million civilians were killed on both sides of the war. So that is above 3 million people died in total during that war. Um, the majority of the 3 million being um, civilians killed by both sides of the war but that's not it's not good um yeah and that's the Vietnam War one of the most bloodiest and most violent wars in history I think well in modern history anyway that never gets talked about I think it doesn't get talked about out of shame and I understand that you know I'm not an American but I understand that if your country had been the ones doing this you would feel an awful lot of shame i imagine it's how germans felt after world war ii and some of them probably still feel today a lot of them really because that's very recent memory as well 
but the difference is you know as hard as it is we we do talk about world war ii quite regularly you know you get taught about it a lot in in school i know i got taught about the vietnam war but i'm one of the only year groups or classes i know that ever actually did that most people i speak to didn't do it and it's a very important war because the things carried out were brutal and horrible and disgusting but we need to know that to know that well, maybe we shouldn't do that again because all these people lost their lives for no reason. As I say, I've been comparing it to modern day what's going on in the Middle East. And I know that's got a bit more complicated over the years. But in all reality, the, the Middle East conflict started back in the Cold War like the Vietnam War did. And it's just escalated and escalated. But the difference with the Vietnam, the Americans realised they needed to pull out. Whereas with the Middle East, they didn't because with Vietnam they didn't really stand to gain anything the only thing they were doing was stopping the spread of communism in the Middle East yes they were stopping the spread of communism but the main reason they were there was for the oil and the resources that the Middle East has and still has and that's the only reason the forces are still there it's not some mercy mission it's it's they want the resources of the Middle East uh, they don't want <laughs> the terrorists to have all the oil the terrorists that frankly they trained in the first place to combat the communists so that's a bit of a grey area but yeah I just if we could learn from the Vietnam War and maybe apply it to what's going on today and listen to the words of you know famous speeches and everything that we've heard and maybe stop the fighting and do what right this is a sci-fi speech now it's just from Doctor Who but it's a very important thing um it's you know just do what you were always going to do in the first place and just sit down and talk it's basically it's so true you know when you shoot that first bullet you don't know who's going to die you know no matter how in the right you think you are you shoot that bullet you don't know who's going to die but in the end you're always going to have to just sit down and talk about it the fighting's going to end and you're going to sit down at a conference and talk about it like you did with the vietnam war they had to sign a peace treaty anyway even after the fighting ended so why not skip the middleman, stop all the killing, and just sit down, talk, and negotiate? That's, that's I think, the lesson of the Vietnam War. Two million civilians killed for them just to sit down and talk in the end and declare peace and let it all happen. You know, is I believe that's the lesson of this history, and that's what history is. It's one big lesson. It, it's, it's a series of mistakes that we've made leading us to here so that we cannot make those mistakes in the future. And that's what I hope we take away from this week's episode. And I do hope you go and look up the Vietnam yourself. Vietnam War yourself, sorry. You can look up Vietnam as well. It's a lovely country. Uh, but go and look up the Vietnam War yourself and and realise what, what happened and how bad it truly was. The pictures are awful. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for listening to this quite depressing and dark uh, installment of and finally I hope you've learned something um, and yeah I'll see you next week but before I do that I would like to mention our sponsors as I've just remembered I need to do because I've been rambling for too long about the Vietnam War King Styles Apparel they do great shirts uh, great collections, great merch in general their phone cases, there are everything I think he's now got some shorts on there as well fantastic merch including some of my own a lot of it links to my other podcast. Uh, you have failed at the moment. We might get some and finally stuff out there eventually. But we're working on that. 
The uh, UF Foud collection is brilliant. The same Vader shirt is brilliant. I'm in love with the Doctor Who one that came out last night. That is fantastic. I ordered that as soon as it was on the website. Uh, so do go check out the uh, store. It's fantastic. We appreciate all the support. And finally, guys, I will speak to you next week. See you then. <laughs>